Welcome back to another episode of How to Student. Today's episode is all about roommates. No matter where you go to college or what you study, there's a pretty good chance you will have a roommate at some point, even if it is just to save money post-grad. For many people, this can be a big source of anxiety. So I've invited both of my former roommates, Lily Johnston and Mary Ryber, on the podcast to talk about all things cohabitation. Lily was my roommate freshman year in the dorm and my housemate last year. She's currently a senior in the honors program, majoring in biopsychology, cognition, and neuroscience, with a minor in history of law and policy. Mary was my roommate sophomore year in an off-campus apartment and is currently a senior majoring in environmental science with a minor in English. In this episode, we will discuss what makes a good roommate, strategies for proactively mitigating disagreements, and so much more. My name is Sarah Remberg. I'm a senior in the LSA Honors Program at the University of Michigan, and this is How to Student, a show where we explore all the things that make college so stressful and help students, just like you, be successful. People often hear about the horror stories. But what is something positive about having a roommate? So before college, I'd never shared a room. I'd never shared a living space other than on my gap year. But that was a totally different experience than college, obviously. And so I guess I was kind of nervous about sharing a space and never really having the alone time that I kind of crave sometimes as an introvert. So that was one of the biggest things. But I think one of the most positive things that I really enjoyed was that Also, like the other flip side of the coin was that I never like really did have to be alone. There was always someone that I could just tell a funny story to at the end of the day or just be like, oh, look at this funny like meme on Instagram or whatever. And so I really enjoyed that part of it. And that was something that was kind of unexpected for me, I think. Yeah, so I actually shared a room with my sister at my house before college, but it was very different because she's 10 years younger than me. So It was definitely a shift from sharing a room with a small child to someone your own age. Just definitely a positive shift because now I had someone who I could actually like have a conversation with Um, and there wasn't stuffed animals thrown on my bed every day. So that was a nice change. Sarah tried not to throw her stuffed animals onto my bed. Uh, She was very cognizant of that. And yeah, like Mary said, it's just, it is nice to like, not have to be alone like at the end of the day just having people to like unload onto and just you know talk about the highs and lows of your day and joke around with it's just it's nice to have someone who's there like most of the time to hang out with so it worked out for me what do you think makes a good roommate I would say the most important thing is communication I think that's one of the most important things because like you can be two totally different people, but if you can communicate well and kind of like talk about like your expectations and like how you are as a person and your habits, then I think any two people can get along and cohabitate. So I would say communication is definitely like a big one. And also just like being flexible, like, yeah, sometimes your roommate's going to like leave their stuff on your side of the room. And like, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to hurt anyone, you know? So like being flexible is like a really big part of it, I think. Yeah, I agree definitely with communication and communication like before there's a problem, just kind of getting on the same page 
communicating if you have a busy week coming up or you're super stressed out before you like snap and then there's like an issue be like look I'm on edge this week I have a million exams or whatever so you know take it easy if I'm like super high strung and also just like I guess this is especially if you're looking for roommates past freshman year but acknowledging that you can be friends with people and that doesn't necessarily mean you'll make good roommates because just I mean living conditions and living expectations might be different you might get along with someone personality wise that have very different standards of cleanliness or you know that kind of thing what lily said is important you can have a best friend that is amazingly supportive and fun but who isn't a good match to live with they might have a drastically different sleeping schedule or different understanding of what clean means it's key to recognize that this doesn't make that person any worse of a friend if you're choosing a roommate Discuss these preferences honestly so that you can make an informed decision. Mary and Lily both highlighted communication as an essential part of a successful rooming situation. In my experience, effective communication stems from a foundation of mutual respect. This will be an ongoing theme throughout the episode. Like anything, I think there can be a bit of a learning curve to being an exemplary roommate. So I next asked Lily and Mary if they had any tips on how to become a better one. I mean... In terms of being a good roommate, I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities with just being a good friend, like trying to take the perspective of another person. If they're asking you to do something that you think might be crazy, like say Sarah says, can you be quiet at 8 p.m.? Immediately, (laughs) I might be like, that's crazy. It's 8 p.m. I'm not going to go to bed until like 3 a.m. This is basically the middle of the day. But you know, if Sarah says I'm not feeling well and I just like really have to get a good night's sleep, I have an exam tomorrow, like just trying to understand where another person's coming from and which I guess ties back into communication. Um, but yeah, well, I'm going to throw you under a lot, Sarah. It's good that you sort of bring bring that up and, and being willing to sort of actively listen. I think a lot of times, particularly young people, and I know that I'm guilty of this often too, that we can sort of get so caught up in what's going on in our own heads or in the world and in our busy lives that we forget to you know, sit and actually listen to what someone is telling us and maybe think about what's going on with them and sort of having that open mind. I think that's really important to sort of actually hear and acknowledge them. We can get more into this in a bit, but like when you said shut the cabinet doors all the time, it didn't even occur to me why that might be a big deal for you, but it was really bothering you and sort of listening in that moment say, it's not really a big deal to me if my drawers are slightly ajar, but if it's really bothering you and that is your chief complaint in our mutual existence, it's not that big of a deal for me to shut them. And sort of recognizing that and being willing to work with someone. What's something that has surprised you about living with your peers? Especially moving into like a house situation. One thing that I hadn't really thought about before is you're taking five, six, however many, four, however many people you have. And those are five or six people who all come from their own family unit that has had their own expectations and their own ways of doing things. And now you're putting them all together, which is like, you might think, oh, I've lived in a house before, but that's very different when your whole family has very similar ways of working and expectations and who does what thing in terms of the house has been pretty much set from probably when you're little, like your mom does one thing and your dad does another thing and all the kids are raised in the same way. So you all have the same idea of how things work around the house. 
And now you're taking a bunch of people with very different potentially backgrounds together and you kind of have to re-figure out, okay, so who's going to do this thing around the kitchen? Who's going to do these cleaning things? How are we going to you know, set up our chore wheel? And everyone just comes with different histories. So it's definitely a lot of adjustment there, at least in the beginning. I think that what sort of surprised me about living with people is one, you look at the dorm room and you think, how did two people exist with their whole lives in such a shoebox? But it is really such a cozy environment. And I never felt so pressed for space. And I thought there was something really comforting about having sort of all of your people in, in one place. You didn't really have to work to to see friends and I think there was something really nice about that that I miss now that you know I'm not living in a dorm setting and also how close you can be with someone so quickly I think that you know some of my favorite memories from freshman year were the late night chats with you Lily and sophomore year like the late night discussions with Mary was kind of like having it was like your best friend never left because they just slept next to you you know so that was kind of an exciting thing Lily's mention of the chore wheel is the perfect segue to our next topic of discussion, our house constitutions. Originally, I had Lily explain this so as not to completely expose my extreme dorkiness, but her audio mysteriously dropped out during that part of the interview, so I will break it down. When we were looking to lock in off-campus housing for sophomore year, a bunch of our friend group was in political theory. Rather than simply jot down a few house rules or come to a verbal agreement about who would be responsible for things like collecting and paying rent, each of our housing groups drafted entire multi-page constitutions, complete with preambles, titled positions of power, and established procedures. I asked Lily and Mary to talk about the process and why it was so beneficial. To have it in writing might seem kind of formal, but at least you're like actively making the effort to write down even if you're probably not going to like pull it up later and be like, look, we, this is in the constitution, at least just really sitting down thinking about how you want to handle things and how you want to manage lives together is definitely very helpful. Um, and that communication piece of having discussions ahead of time before there are issues and knowing how you're going to deal with them when they do arise. Mary, would you want to talk a little bit about the process of actually working through, you know, sort of what we discussed, how we did it? Because I thought you know, we we did a, a really nice job, I think, of keeping it light throughout. So it never felt super serious. Making it like constitution and kind of sitting down all together. I think that did bring in like the lightness, lightheartedness, like the fun, and it made it not so heavy because like we all knew that we were going to make mistakes, like living together, like maybe somebody was going to get annoyed with something we did. We were living in a small space, but kind of like talking about it and talking about like being really honest was important too, because if you didn't speak your mind when we were actually writing the constitution, like when we were actually writing the house rules, like when could you be honest, you know, sort of thing. So like being, having it like being really lighthearted, but still being honest about what matters to you. I think we kind of approached it really well in that way. And then because we all like had that really nice memory of like making it together, I think everyone was like, kind of like remembered what we had talked about a little bit better because we were like, oh, there it is. And we had like a funny picture on the front of it, a preamble as well. So I think that was kind of a good way to approach it. When you move off campus into a house or an apartment, there are a lot of added responsibilities and moving parts. 
Depending on your lease, your group may have to pay a collective rent and utilities must be arranged and paid for. There's also the general upkeep to think about, like cleaning, repairs, grocery shopping, etc. One of the things that I think all of our housing arrangements have done really well is establish roles for everyone. In addition to being practical, we also found ways to have fun with it. For example, in the apartment sophomore year, Mary was the czar of cleaning and torture. I asked Lily and Mary to touch on the importance of setting jobs as part of a housing arrangement. Yeah, I think it just kind of allows like everyone to make sure that they're having one responsibility. And then in addition, everyone then knows each other's responsibilities. As the czar of cleaning, I wasn't, you know, supposed to clean everything. I was just supposed to make sure that like whoever was like assigned to each room was doing their duty that week. And if not, then I could just give a gentle reminder sort of to like do that. And that way, I think it was really like good to delegate. And also because we had the tour wheel and we had like the like everything written down, like nothing was personal. It wasn't like, oh, I was in an argument with Sarah last night, but I told her to like go clean the kitchen because it's her week. That's not personal. It's just how the tour wheel was that week. And I think that kind of takes a little bit of the if there is like arguments going on in the house, that takes a little bit of that away from it. Would uh, would each of you recommend creating a chore wheel uh, for for someone's living arrangement? Yeah, definitely. What we have currently and what we did last year, which has worked really well, is we just have a rotation. So we have like three main categories of cleaning, like the floor and surfaces, then kitchen, and then dealing with trash. So then that's three like big categories, and we have six people. So you have a week off, and then a week, and then it changes you know so it's not it's not a big deal it's not like a ton of time or energy or anything but yeah and holding each other accountable and making sure that everything stays relatively clean it's nice to have that like settled ahead of time so you don't have these like huge messes and you know have that classic college house that's disgusting which is not my vibe so I was like we're having we're having chores (laughs) Because the chore wheel meant that your responsibilities rotated, it also meant that no one person was stuck constantly cleaning or being the only one to vacuum, saving many arguments. Another thing that our housing constitutions did was outline consequences that we all agreed on for if a person messed up repeatedly. Consequences varied from wearing a dunce cap in a corner, this was never used, but the concept still makes me laugh, to an offender having to buy the next round of toilet paper as an apology. While the consequences were rarely implemented, it prevented anyone from feeling gaslighted since everything was agreed upon ahead of time. The last thing I'll say about the subject is that making these documents were an excellent bonding experience for us as a future housemates, and I laughed a lot when reading them to make this podcast episode. Roommates aren't just for chores. I also wanted to highlight how much fun living with your friends can be. So I asked Lily and Mary to share their best roommate story from living together. Well, I don't know. Like, Sarah, like, we have really, like, similar interests for a lot of things. So I really loved when you would just, like, gas me up. And I was like, man, I really want some, like, pizza right now. And, of course, our apartment was literally right over a pizza restaurant, (laughs) which was amazing. So, like, you would just gas me up and be like, yes, we need pizza and we need it now. And that's, like, one of the best qualities in a roommate. Somebody who will support you through anything or anything that you really want to do. So I guess one of my favorite memories is when we were like, let's order pizza and just like watch like a documentary in our beds, like with our like computer and like eat our pizza in bed. That was so good. 
One of my favorite times that was joint roommates between us and you guys was when we played Master Chef. Um, so for context, we was it for your birthday, Sarah? No, I like something you wanted to do. I think it was just something I wanted to do. Yeah. So my roommates at Hill House went over to their apartment and we teamed up and we played. I guess it was like a combination, like chopped Master Chef, because some people went out and got like weird ingredients and then we had to we were timed and we had to make some concoctions and then judge some people were judges and it was really it was really fun another funny memory I was thinking about last year if anyone has seen it's always sunny in Philadelphia they play a drinking game called Charty McDonough's and basically you like pick a bunch of cards and it tells you like random things to do. And like we had gotten all the tools ahead of time to like prepare. And my brother and his girlfriend were visiting. And one of the games was grape gobble, where you spread out grapes all over the table. This is pre-COVID, obviously. And one person from each team literally has their hand behind their back and is trying to get as many grapes into their mouth as possible from the table. And I won, and I'm still really proud of myself to this day. I got like 12 grapes in my mouth, so. Mary alluded to the fact that we had shared academic interests. We were both planning to go to medical school, and when we were living together, we were taking a few of the same classes, which certainly came with some pros and cons. I asked Mary to speak to her experience. I can be quite competitive, just like about literally everything or school, whatever, you name it, I'm competitive about it. And so although I always love and support you, Sarah, like sometimes it would be really hard when we were in the same class and I would be like subconsciously, like literally it was subconscious. Like I wasn't like, like wanting to do it, you know, but I would be like competing against you in like chemistry 130 because I was like, oh my gosh, Sarah's doing better than me. It was just really hard because I also then compare myself to others a lot. And like, I find that's really hard not to do in college when you're living with everyone that's your same age and your same interests and kind of all these other people who are so, so smart, brilliant, good people. So comparing myself to others made it hard a little bit, but then also how competitive I am. I find that when I'm kind of living with people who don't have similar academic interests, I compete a lot less because like, what am I competing with them? to do. So that's one of the things that I've been like really trying to work on this year, especially just kind of like worrying about only myself, just focusing on like what's going to make help me succeed. And then also like focusing on how I can support others in that way too. Yeah. And Um, one of the, one of the things that I was really thankful for you, and I think it took a little while, but that first semester is you, you basically, we like had a conversation about it and you were like, I, it's really hard for me to like handle that. You know, I have classroom. And then when I come home, like you're asking me about chemistry. And so you were like, can we just not talk about chemistry? And I was like, well, yeah, thank you for telling me. I'm sorry. Like I made you feel anxious. And like, I just want, like, we can have a chem free zone. And then I became yeah. thankful for having our apartment being like a chem free zone because yeah, that was so good. I think there needs to be many chem free zones in the world. Well, so, it was good. Cause yeah, like it did stress me out and I'm, I, it was really great. Cause then when I did come home, we could just like talk about silly stuff. So I think it's, it's a good lesson in, in just sort of, again, creating a foundation for a relationship where you can, you know, approach someone, have that honest conversation, and then me as the other roommate just being willing to listen and then and then change our ways. I think that's also something for people to consider when looking for roommates is 
if you do have a tendency to be competitive, then maybe looking for someone with other interests might be beneficial. I've found it kind of working in both ways where I really like getting to know people within my area of study. And like Lily and I share a major and and Mary and I are both pre-med. So like the overlap is really helpful because usually if like I didn't get something you guys got it. Or if I was just asking Lily about classes before before this conversation started being recorded. So there, there are some benefits, but it's just definitely something to be mindful of when making those sorts of decisions. Uh, Lily, do you have anything to add? Or Yeah, on the, on the pro side, it's definitely, it's nice to be able to recommend classes and to have someone. It's hard to translate into the difficulties in another subject, you know, writing like 20 page history paper versus an orgo exam, both are like very difficult, but in very different head spaces. So it's nice to have someone who kind of understands like the same type of difficulties you're going through in your classes. But I definitely agree with Mary and that it can be hard comparing yourself to others. How do you recommend dealing with roommate conflict? Because it is inevitable and sort of if you want to share it within an anecdote or just walk us through some general tips. Yeah, so I am bad with dealing with my own conflict. I'm a good mediator for other people, but I don't like to tell someone if they're doing something that bothers me because I just have a lot of anxiety and I don't like people to not like me. I'm like a people pleaser. But kind of what we were talking about before is just being honest about things that are bothering you because it's it's usually not a big deal. And if something's bothering you a lot and someone's really your friend, they're going to want to adjust to like, because if someone was, if I was doing something that would bother, that was bothering someone, I would want them to tell me. So kind of trying to think about it that way, like they probably can make a minor adjustment if you're just open and honest and have a good dialogue going. So trying to keep that in mind, also trying to find a good time to discuss a conflict you're having not just like bursting with all of your grievances during a time of stress being like, Hey, could we talk like for a minute? And, you know, just having a conversation instead of just letting it build up and then just exploding in the moment with like all of your complaints about a person usually doesn't end up going so well. It's important to kind of like see things where the other person's coming from. So like before kind of going to like maybe the person you're having an issue with and like venting to them a bunch about how much they're annoying you kind of like be like okay well like what might have caused them to do this and it's still important obviously to like tell them how you're feeling hopefully if you're able to understand how like what they're dealing with they'll be able to do the same thing for you and kind of as we also talked about earlier mutual respect and like approaching any situation like non-accusatory just calmly with good communication I feel like college more than like any time people are dealing with a lot of stuff because they're still like semi probably under the control of their parents to some degree if their parents are helping them with school they might have a lot of family stuff going on then they have school and friends and trying to manage a house for the first time probably trying to maybe working a part-time job maybe like cooking for the first time, like things that might seem small to you might be really big to another person and trying to keep that in mind that everyone comes from a different starting point and everyone's adjusting at their own pace and in their own ways. And just trying to be cognizant of that is important. Yeah. And I think it's also good to keep in mind that 
I know I personally get a lot of anticipatory anxiety when approaching a challenging conversation, especially when with a roommate, no matter what happens in the conversation, you still have to sleep, you know, three feet away from the other person. So, but I've found in my experience and granted, we didn't have any massive massive disagreements, but I have found in my experience that usually the conversation's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And so just try and have a little bit of faith in the other person. And again, it comes back to to mutual respect. And I think just as cliche as it is to say, like, take a couple deep breaths and really think through your approach before addressing something, I think that can really go a long way in, in creating, you know, a productive conversation. Rapid fire question. Name a dorm must have. Okay. I have one that is like, was my lifesaver. And so my bed was half lofted, which means that like, it wasn't all the way up. Like I didn't have to take a ladder, but I did have like a little step stool to get on my bed just to give me more like storage space under the bed. And one of the best things that I bought at like Bed Bath & Beyond was a side table that you could connect onto your bed because there's no like side tables and in the dorms. It was like something that you could just screw on to like the side of your bed and you could put like your water bottle there, like a notebook with like pen and paper or like your phone like there to charge overnight or whatever. And it was so nice because at night you could just like quickly grab it and it was like literally right there. And I didn't know anyone else who had anything like that. And I was like so surprised because I was like, this is like the best thing in the world, especially if you like fully loft your bed or have a bunk bed, like that's a vital must have, I think. Yeah, this might be kind of basic, but stacking drawers. I have loved my stacking drawers, especially like to be able to take with you like from the dorms all the way. Like my drawers that I got freshman year, stacking are the best because then you can get ones that are a little bit more flat and have them like under your bed. At least in our dorm beds had kind of high, were a little bit higher off the ground. So I had like two next to each other first. And then in my next room, I had them stacked on top of each other and you can kind of rearrange according to like the kind of rooms you have. I'm like, I like to have things very organized. So I like drawers for everything. <laughs> but yeah. if no one, if no one picked up from my comment about how my ajar closet door bothered Lily. Lily likes things very clean and tidy, which actually benefited me because I felt like I was so much cleaner in freshman year because I felt like I was cleaning up for Lily because I knew how much it bothered her. Oh, well, that makes me feel bad. (laughs) No, no, no. I think, but no, but it was good. And I think I was a cleaner roommate for Mary than I might ordinarily have been because anyone listening to this podcast before college would say I was like an absolute pigsty. Because, and like, you've seen my room now that I don't share a room, it gets kind of messy. And so, but I think having a cognizance of sharing a space with someone is important, even if that means changing your ways. This question was asked nearly every day when I worked at summer orientation. And my favorite response was always when Elizabeth Einig would say extension cords. I always try to plug that. It's punny and true. Before we get to our closing question, I thought it would be a fun break from routine to give Mary and Lily the opportunity to share an embarrassing anecdote from their time rooming with me. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, okay, you can edit this part out, but like, Sarah, <laughs> like some of the stuff is gross. Like, it's like stuff you can't control. Like, there was that one night where you were like throwing up and like all that stuff in the bathroom floor. And I was like, I can't stay here. <laughs> I felt bad. I low-key felt really bad that I left that night, but I was like, I'm 
gotta stay at Hill House. And I like walked over middle of the night. Hill House. That's my house for context. (laughs) Not like the haunting of Hill House Netflix show. My house is called Hill House. I guess let me think. I guess like an embarrassing anecdote of you as a roommate. Oh, <laughs> I guess this is kind of funny. So when you had like, dec- I came later, like a few days later after you had moved into our apartment, just because I was like up working in Canada and I wasn't able to like move in when you guys were moving in. I was still on contract. But finally, when I was able to come down to the apartment and move in, I got there and like my half of the room like wasn't like work, like, like was all like ready for me to come and decorate it. But then Sarah had all of her decorations up. And there was like all of her like baseball hats and she had like hung them all up on like contact hooks or whatever. And there was like three rows of three or four hats each or three columns of three or four hats each sort of going down. And two of the columns were like way closer to each other than one of the columns was. And so it was like super weird for like people who have like OCD or like OCD tendencies. And anytime I looked at those hats, (laughs) I was like, we need to do something about this. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> the one column was just so much farther away than the other ones. And I still don't understand why it was like that. Because <laughs> I thought they were see. <laughs> I thought they were even at first. And then once you like stick the command hook on, it was stuck. You couldn't <laughs> I didn't want to waste one of the strip things. It was just it was on, it was stuck. And Lily. <laughs> but we used to have this joke that Sarah doesn't look down because Sarah would just be walking and for backup context our other roommate Jenny has a fear of salad and any lettuce really just she doesn't like to see lettuce and um, Sarah would just be walking and like dropping spinach all over the floor and like have no no idea and so we just had this joke that Sarah just doesn't look down and then someone tested it one time and like put like a sign on the ground to see if like Sarah would notice and she just like stepped right over it <laughs> we're like it's confirmed Sarah does not look down so <laughs> yeah I I do have a tendency to leave like a spinach leaf or two on the floor guilty that's a good one that's that's a great story actually and the fact that you guys did test it and I was still totally oblivious I loved any time we would like go, it, we lived in the dorms and anytime me and Jenny were bored, we would just go over to Lily and Sarah's room and do like some stupid thing and see if Sarah would get annoyed or get or like notice us. And like we would video her. <laughs> I have probably about 200 videos of Sarah like sitting at her desk freshman year and me and Jenny is doing stupid stuff next to you. Yeah, I like the crack memes. Yeah, well, it just goes to show you that roommates can be a really good time because some like my favorite college memories are pretty much just the stuff we would get up to, just the random moments in between all the things we were already doing where we would just have a a laugh. And I think there's that'll be what I miss the most when everyone leaves me and you all graduate. And it's what I miss the most right now. Yeah, it's just those like moments like late at night when you're talking or just those, you know, really chill times, not the big events you plan or like the parties. It's just the, you know, little moments that are really fun. So Sounds that, corny. I know. So <laughs> but <laughs> Mary's making fun of me. I can tell. No, not. <laughs>
And now for the question I ask all of my podcast guests, what would you tell your freshman year college self? Don't freak out right away about your major, especially here, like at Michigan, if you're in LSA, like there's so, there's a million classes. It's overwhelming. Don't like freak out about the classes that you have to take, you know, especially if you're pre-med and they try to tell you that you're behind already because you haven't taken whatever. Just look at the classes that are interesting to you. And that might guide you to either what you thought you liked or maybe something different. There's so much to offer. And especially like freshman, sophomore year before you're kind of stuck in a major, taking some things that just sound interesting because that's what college is for. And a lot of my favorite classes have been like, I love my major, but a lot of my favorite classes have been very different from my major and outside of it. Classes that I just took for fun because they sounded interesting. And those have brought me a lot of, a lot of joy amidst some of the harder classes. So. Yeah, I guess I have like two more brief things. One is study smart, not hard. I find like the narrative about college that like pervades sort of a lot of like media is like, oh, you're pulling all nighters constantly and you're studying so hard, like constant content. Yeah, I would do that sometimes because I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm in college. And like, was it really that smart? No, probably not. And then another thing is sort of going off of the same vein as Lily, but more in like extracurriculars. Like college is the time to like literally try anything that you've been interested in. I went to like a couple ballroom dancing classes because why not? That was super fun. Even though I stepped on everyone's toes, I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) But at least I tried it. You get to try all these like really, really cool things that like you would have normally never gotten to try before. So I highly recommend just like throwing yourself out there and just doing that. Thanks for listening to episode 11 of How to Student. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to share and subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram for more college tips, episode announcements, and behind-the-scenes content using the handle at HowToStudentPodcast. You'll also be able to interact directly with the host. This episode was created and produced by Sarah Renberg with sound engineering by Eli Sider. Special thanks to Michelle Jelling, our social media coordinator, and Mika Levesque-Manti, the project advisor. This has been a presentation of Packard Street Productions.